Who likes to wait? Who likes to wait? When you, go, when you go to the restaurant, who likes to have to wait around to get seated at a table? Who likes to wait when somebody says they're sending you a million dollars in the mail? Who likes waiting on the postman? Who here likes to wait? But life is a wait. We do a lot of waiting. Psalm 70 speaks about that. Let's look at Psalm 70. And listen to the words. Make haste, O God, to deliver me. Make haste to help me, O Lord. Let them be ashamed and confounded who seek my life. Let them be turned back and confused who desire my hurt. Let them be turned back because of their shame who say, Aha! <laughs> Let all those who seek you rejoice and be glad in you. And let those who love your salvation say continually, let God be magnified. But I am poor and needy. Make haste to me, O God. You are my help and my deliverer. Lord, do not delay. Oh Lord, help us. We ask you, Lord, to speak to our hearts in this moment. Lord, we say to you all the time, make haste. And yet, Lord, you have given us the greatest example of what it means to be long-suffering and to have patience and wait. Lord, I ask you, Lord, that this message will find good ground in our hearts and mind and that this message will grow and, Lord, you can use it to help us to help others. And, Lord, help us to learn what you have to say to us today. Open up our hearts. Open up our minds to hear from you today. And, Lord, I thank you for your anointing. I thank you, Lord, that I'll only speak the words you would have me to say. And Lord, we will hear from you. We praise you in the precious name of Jesus and all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Thousands of years have passed and Psalm 70 sounds just like us. Make haste, oh God! <laughs> Make haste, oh God, and straighten out that Jeremy. Right now. <laughs> Make haste, oh God, give me that raise. Make haste, oh God, heal me. Well, you. Wait, doesn't it sound like us? Deliver me, Lord. Heal me, Lord. Meet my need, Lord. Wow. Isn't that how it goes? It is By the way, I picked on Jeremy, and he's been growing so great. It's wonderful. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I know. That's why you're growing. <laughs> some, plants, some plants, like cactuses, need hardly any tending. Others, you still have to poke around the ground. 
Yeah. yeah. We see so much potential in you. But remember what verse 4 says. Remember what verse 4 says. Let all those who seek you rejoice and be glad in you. And let those who love your salvation say continually, let God be merciful. Oh, isn't that good? That's the, probably the best part of the whole psalm. God has a plan for our lives. God has a plan for our lives. Jason just went ahead and your mind was, well, I thought he was just taking up the offering and he's giving us a mini sermon. <laughs> he's giving us his testimony. There's nothing wrong with that. But did you see how long he had to wait and be long-suffering? <laughs> First he gets saved, he gets baptized, filled with the Holy Ghost. And did you hear he had to talk to his mentor and he had to encourage him to keep on going in the ministry? Think about that. Then he meets his wife and his mentor had to go ahead and encourage him to keep going in the <laughs> ministry. They get married and he has to stay at school longer than he planned and his mentor had to encourage him to stay, keep going in the ministry. Think about that. It all You think that was just a random thing. No, the Holy Spirit knows what he's doing. But God had a plan for his life. God has a plan for your life. We just got to get with God's plan. So many of us could have been in God's plan years ago. Oh, I got, we, we have, Jason and I have a friend who could have been great for God. But our friend wouldn't settle down. He wouldn't settle down in one place and wait on the Lord long enough for, the God, for God to really use him the way God wanted to. He kept on hopping here and hopping there and hopping everywhere. He'd go over here and stay for a while and be a help and then run away and go someplace else because he came up to opposition. You know what? what did Jay, in Jason's testimony, he said he hit that wall. That's my words, not his. But he hit that wall. And his mentor's words came back. Keep on going. Keep on going. And he got through the wall. And look at him now. Oh, would we not want Jason any other way? Oh, how wonderful. The greatest thing that Jesus ever did for us was save us from our sins. What a price Jesus had to pay for our salvation. What a price. But he did it willingly. He did it with joy. He did it so that we could be saved. Think about that. How many here would want a volunteer to be hung on a cross? Mm. Beaten before that. Ridiculed, mocked, made fun of. But Jesus did it willingly. So we could be saved. And the wonderful thing, all we have to do is repent of our sins and ask Jesus to come into our hearts and be our Lord and Savior and our best friend. And guess what? He will forgive us our sins. And He will come into our hearts. And He will be the best friend. It says He'll be closer to us than a brother. Isn't that awesome? Hallelujah. But I'm talking about the waiting place. The waiting place. The waiting place is a growing place. That it 
You know we do more growing in the waiting place than we do when we're on the mountaintop? You see, the mountaintop's usually rocky. Way up high where it's cold. Not good soil for planting things. But down in the valley, down in the waiting place, we can grow. The waiting place is a faith place. Because God works on our faith there. And it shows us that we have faith in God no matter what. Can you imagine being the Apostle Paul? Here he is, Saul the persecutor, and he's on the road to Emmaus. I mean, he's off with his buddies and they're singing, We're off to the road to Emmaus. We're going to find those Christians and throw them in prison. And we're going to beat a few and steal their money and take away their kids. You know, and it was not a Bob Hope and Bing Crosby movie. Oh, no doubt about it. <laughs> but on the way to Emmaus, who shows up right on time? Jesus. And he knocks Paul on his backside and he speaks to him. You're kicking against the pricks, Paul. It's time you get your life. What am I supposed to do? And Paul gets saved. And when Ananias comes to pray for him at the direction of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit comes to Ananias. And Paul's blind at this point. Ananias is a good church member there in the Syrian, um, in Syria there, the Antioch Syrian Church of God. And he's over there, and he's a real good, he's, he's one of the big deacons over there. And he, he, he's, a, he's a man of God. After, you know, man that God uses all the time. And God, the Holy Spirit says, Ananias, I want you to go over and see Saul um, over there on Straight Street. Ananias goes, Lord, wait a second, time out, Lord. We're going to have a discussion here. You know who this guy is? He's the persecutor of the church. I mean, he is called Saul the persecutor. For There's not a reason why he's not called that. And God says, go anyway. So, so Ananias goes, and Paul's blinded from seeing Jesus. And Ananias goes over there, and he prays for him. The scales fall off his eyes so he can see. Now, here, Acts 9. And here, here's the, the thing. Ananias prophesies over Paul what his ministry is going to be like. Now think about that. Oh, you're going, to, you're going to be speaking to kings and governors. You're going to be the, the apostle to the Gentiles. Oh, Paul's going, oh, my word. God's going to use me, the, the Pharisee of the Pharisees. Oh, glory to God. And first thing that happens, persecution comes to him in, in Damascus. And he has to get out of town. They lower him over the wall of the city and he has to run away. And instead of the Holy Spirit running him to his ministry, he takes him out in the desert. And for three years, Jesus shows up with Paul and becomes his Bible teacher for three years. Now, Paul, you're really, really smart, but I got to straighten you out on your thinking here. There's a reason why you became, you don't, didn't read the scriptures right there about who I am. And for three years, he taught him in the desert. Now, that's not so bad. Three years can come and go really quick. Everybody who's gone through high school and on this side of high school, instead of going through high school, finds out it's a really short time, isn't it? Yeah. And so... 
Paul's done with Bible school. He graduates summa cum laude. And, I mean, he's at the top of the class. Of course, he's the only one in the class, but he's at the top of the class. I mean, if he was a pessimist, he would have saw himself at the bottom of the class, but he was at the top of the class, and he heads to Jerusalem. No, Saul's back. The persecutor's back, and nobody wanted nothing to do with him except for Barnabas. And Barnabas put his arm around him, took him to the apostles. The apostles met with him and said, oh boy, what a change in his life. Uh, um, you're a little too hot to handle. Paul, Saul, we're sending you home to your hometown and up in Turkey. I'm, we're sending you home to Tarsus. Paul goes, wait a second, I'm the apostle. I'm the apostle to the Gentiles. You're sending me home? And for 15 long years, Paul was in the waiting place. I'm telling you, what it was a growing place for him. He went back, he went to work for his dad's company, making tents. He went there, and I think he was busy telling people in Tarsus about Jesus Christ. But he was there. It was a faith place. Was he going to believe what the Lord told him about his ministry? Was he going to stay and, and, and follow as he was supposed to? And... But let me tell you something else what the place of, um, of waiting is. It's a place of hope. It's a place of hope. A place of hope. Paul had his hope in Jesus Christ. Paul knew what God had told him. And he, during that 15 years, he hoped that one day God would make that prophecy true. And as he waited, it was answered. One day, all of a sudden, his old friend Barnabas shows up at his door. Saul, Saul, Saul. Saul says, you didn't need to talk three times. Well, I was trying to get your attention. But he says, listen, I've just been appointed the pastor of the Antioch Church of God in Syria. And I need you to come with me to be my associate pastor. Wow, it's time to go. They get there and they minister for a while and they have all these pastors and evangelists and all these ministers. I mean, it was, it was a rich church full of all these guys called into the ministry. And one day the Holy Spirit says, separate unto me Barnabas and Saul. And they started their world cruise. And they started going out, planting churches. And eventually, when they got to Europe, Saul's, I mean, to the western part of Turkey, God changed Paul's name from Saul and say, you now go by your Greek name, Paul. His waiting time was done. He was now the apostle that God had called him to be. Now you tell me, 15 years, are you willing to wait? Are you willing to wait on God for your miracle? Are you willing to say, I'm going to have faith no matter what? I'm going to grow in Christ while I'm waiting for him to use me like he said he would? And everybody here, let me tell you something. You've all been called. He wants to use everybody here for his glory. Let me read to you a, a neat little thing called The Waiting Place by David Roper from our Daily Bread. Some of you might have read this this week, but I'm going to read it to you anyway. He, quote, he starts off quoting Dr. Seuss, The Waiting Place. Waiting for the fish to bite, or waiting for the wind to fly a kite, or waiting around for Friday night. Everyone is just waiting 
Or so Dr. Seuss, author of many children's books, says. So much of life is about waiting, but God is never in a hurry, or so it seems. God has his hour and delay, suggests an old reliable saying. Thus, we wait. Waiting is hard. We twiddle our thumbs, shuffle our feet, stifle our yawns, heave long sighs, and fret inwardly in frustration. Why must I live with this awkward person, this tedious job, this embarrassing behavior, this health issue that will not go away? Why doesn't God come through? God's answer? Wait a while and see what I will do. Waiting is one of life's best teachers, for in it we learn the virtue of, well, waiting. Waiting while God works in us and for us. It's in waiting that we develop endurance, the ability to trust God's love and goodness, even when things aren't going our way. But waiting is not dreary, teeth-clenching resignation. We can rejoice and be glad in Him while we wait. We wait in hope, knowing that God will deliver us in due time in this world or in the next. God is never in a hurry, but he is always, always on time. Dear Lord, thank you for your loving presence. Help us to make the most of our waiting through trust in and service for you. Oh, hallelujah. Isn't that good news? Psalm 37, 7a reminds us to rest in the Lord and wait patiently on him. While we wait, we are to be busy serving. This shows that we trust God to keep his promise. We should have trust up there. This shows our readiness for greater responsibility. <laughs> This shows our faithfulness. <laughs> she thought I was going to make her wait on me to get to the next point. <laughs> <sighs> Trust, readiness, faithfulness while we wait. Otherwise, we're like the fellow who was given one talent, one bag of gold, who dug a hole under his house to hide it in the ground only to lose everything. There's a, Jesus tells a story in Matthew 25 or 26, I think it is. What the kingdom of God's like. The master, the king is going to go away and he calls three of his trusty servants and he gives one five bags, another one three bags, and one one. The first two went ahead and made something out of it. The one who got five went into business for himself and made it into ten bags. The one who was given three, he duplicated it. He went ahead and made it into five bags. The last guy took the last bag and he, Oh, my master is a hard taskmaster. Oh, he'll be mad at me if I lose this thing. So he went to his house and dug a hole and put it in. Well, when the master came back, what happened? To the first guy, he says, oh, look at you, blessed servant. And he says, you got five, you brought, 
Look at what he did. He took five bags and turned it into ten bags. Ooh, what a great servant. The next one comes in. He says, oh, look what a nice servant here did. He took three bags, turned it into five. What a great servant. The last one comes in and says, what is that dirty thing? Well, that's your bag of gold. He says, what did you do with it? Well, I knew you were a hard taskmaster, and so I hid it in the ground. He says, you knew I was a hard taskmaster, and this is what you did with what I gave you? He says, it would have been better for you to take it and put it in the bank. At least I would have drawn interest on it. And with that, he took the one bag away from the man and gave it to the guy who made five into ten. And then he kicked the guy who got, did nothing with what he was given. He kicked him out. Jesus said that's what the kingdom of God is like. We better start using what we have, that what God has given. As our teacher in Sunday school, who, oh, wasn't that a wonderful Sunday school? Oh, my word, it just flowed. It, just, it was awesome. It was great. He kept us on. T- oh, my word. As he reminded us, that God provides what we have to sow, just like the king did to these three men. God has given you what you have to use for his kingdom's sake. And we should use it even while we are in the waiting place. You see, these guys were waiting for the master to come back. They were waiting for the master to come back. You know what? We are waiting for the master to come back. We are, and I believe it's not that long before Jesus parts that eastern sky and we're hearing that trumpet blow and we're going swooping through the air. Oh, glory to God. Earthquakes are happening. 6.9 this week. Just the other day in Hawaii. 6.9. The volcano is going off. It says in the last days we're going to see these things. And I've never seen that volcano act like that in my lifetime. Right on. That volcano is continually bubbling and doing. And I, the last big eruption it had, oh, it just was oozing out and flowing down and adding to the island. I don't know if you've seen pictures, but it looks like a sparkler going off. Right and those things are about this high and as tall as the ceiling going off and the vents have opened up that run along roads and things and are putting out poisonous gas. It's never done that before. Right. Hmm. God's shaking. He's letting us know. Jesus says, they asked him, Jesus, what's it going to be like? There's going to be earthquakes in diverse places. And I can go on and talk about it, but I don't have time to talk about the volcanoes. <laughs> The Bible says when the perfect time had come, God looks for his perfect time for you and me. Galatians 4, 4 and 5, I have told you this, I'm going to remind you what it says again. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who are under the law that we might receive the adoptions of sons. Do you realize that when everybody was waiting for the fullness of time to come, it had been thousands of years when God had himself prophesied directly to Adam and Eve that the Messiah would come. 
Thousands of years, God had been waiting patiently to bring forth this miracle of his son coming to the world. Think about that. Tell me if God's not long-suffering. Tell me if God is that long-suffering to bring salvation to the world. Is he not long-suffering to stand with you to get you through whatever you're going through? Is he, is he not long-suffering enough to get you to a point where he can really, really use you? Now think about that one. Well, what do you mean, Pastor? Well, some of us are a mess. And I'm not judging anybody. You, you determine if you're a mess or not. I'm not. It might just be one person or it might be everybody. I don't know. But isn't God patient with us? He don't kick us off just because we make a mistake. That's why he gives us his grace. Because his mercies are new every morning. And his grace covers a multitude of mess-ups. A multitude of sins. Isn't that awesome? Shouldn't we be thankful to him for that? Oh my word, what teenager here would survive their teenage years if it wasn't for the grace of God? If it wasn't for the grace of God, your parents would have, anyway, we won't go, that's why you weren't born a teenager. He, he had you born as a cute little baby, because if you were born with a teenager, there's not a parent around that would have took care of you. <laughs> And I'm speaking from experience because I was a teenager once too. My word, what we put our parents through. Even Marion, as good as she is and perfect as all her ways, you know, she's our Mary Poppins. And uh, <laughs> she's gone, no, Pastor, no. But our parents loved us. How much more does our father love us? How much more does he put up with us? How much more does he, oh, my word. How much did he put up with Peter? Peter who denied him three times. And Jesus looks at him and says, Peter, do you love me? Peter, do you love me? I said, Peter, do you love me? By the third time, Peter's annoyed. <laughs> <laughs> but Jesus was getting his attention saying, you're being restored, my friend. You're getting restored because I love you. He doesn't, God doesn't have junk. He doesn't throw away what he loves. Salvation came right on time. So too will your answer come. So you're going through some things. Doesn't make sense why you're going through it, but God's answer will come right on time, right when it needs to. At the best time. In that time when you've grown, in that time when you've trusted, in that time that you were working on your readiness, in that time of your faithfulness. What about you? Jesus is waiting for you with arms wide open to receive you. Is this your time to say, Lord, forgive me of my sins? Come into my heart and be my Lord and Savior and my best friend. I'm telling you, if you pray that prayer, God will save you. He will, he will make you his child. He will adopt you as his very own. And boy, once God gets a hold of you, your life will never be the same. Amen. Hallelujah. Lord Jesus, we thank you. We praise you for this awesome word today. We thank you, Lord, even though none of us here 
You saw our hands not go up. Lord, none of us here like to be in the waiting place, but we thank you, Lord, that you use the waiting place for our good. Oh, Lord, we praise you, Lord. As a church body, we've been in that waiting place, and we know that right around the corner here, Lord, you want to do something awesome. Jason calls it a transition. But Lord, we know you're getting ready to do something big in, this, in our lives so that we can affect this town. We praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.